<clears throat> Welcome to the Monkey Sports Podcast, episode number 28. Today we're going to be breaking down all of the first round action from the men's Division One playoffs, a little bit of the women's side as well. But before we jump into that, I want to remind you that we are brought to you by Monkey Sports. If you use promo code PODCAST10 at checkout, that's the word PODCAST, number 10, one zero, you'll save 10% off your order. Now, let's jump right into the show. Hi, hello, how are you? As we said before, welcome back into the Monkey Sports Podcast, episode number 2828, baby. Wanted to jump on here and kind of break down the weekend, because it was a big lacrosse weekend. Men's Division One and women's was popping off all day Saturday and Sunday. Excuse me, women's was Friday and Sunday, men's was Saturday and Sunday, uh, because the women played their first round as well as the Elite Eight game this weekend, and men's just had the first round of the playoffs, so going to be breaking down all that for you here today, going to go ba- game by game for the men's, and then a couple notes on the women's side as well. <clears throat> Our first game on Saturday was North Carolina hosting Monmouth. Uh, Monmouth was probably, I guess you would say, the 16th seed in this situation, came into the game uh, heavy underdogs. Uh, North Carolina dispatched them pretty easily, 16-4. to Early on in the game, Monmouth was kind of hanging around, doing their best to uh, pull the upset bet off, but UNC just a little too much. Chris Gray was just stroking corners from every angle of the field. You know, Monmouth was turning the ball over left and right, and UNC was just able to capitalize on that really, really well. Um, from Monmouth's side, I you know, if, or from any side, if you want to pull off the upset in the first round, you have to play essentially perfect lacrosse, which another team did, we'll talk about later, but you got to really limit those turnovers, value the ball, and really just take your time offensively. Um, Monmouth really felt like that they were just trying to score four goals every time they shot it. Um, they weren't really taking their time offensively. They thought they thought that they needed to be the hero a lot of the times, and it resulted in a lot of bad shots and turnovers for them. So UNC just kind of outclassed them there. Uh, kind of extrapolating that out, UNC looks dangerous. Uh, their defense is incredible. Their goalie Krieg is just next level. Freshman, you know, might win an All-American spot. I, I don't know if the lists have come out yet as of recording here on Monday morning, but Krieg might be an All-American goalie as a freshman already. As we stated, Chris Gray leads that attack unit, and they're just deadly. And, and Will Bowen on defense is, you know, one of, if not the best poles in the country. So UNC's looking really dangerous. They should have a nice run here looking forward as well. <clears throat> Next game that was up on Saturday, we had Rutgers and Lehigh, which I personally I thought was going to be a really good game. I thought since Lehigh was, you know, Patriot League champion, had this incredible FOGO, good season for the Lehigh uh, Hawks. I don't know what they are. And then uh, Rutgers kind of came in as the second best Big Ten team. Big Ten had a lot of questions this year because they only played interconference. They did not play outside of the conference due to the COVID season and all that. Um, they kind of struggled against Maryland, who was very much so the top tier in the in the conference this year. Had some other weird fluky games inside the Big Ten against teams that, you know, barely hit 500. And there were big question marks about Rutgers. And I think this was a game that you would normally say, oh, Lehigh should walk through with this. But unfortunately, Lehigh's top scorer was out of the game. He was also the top scorer in the Patriot League, which we didn't find out about until I think an hour or two before first face. So Lehigh was out, their best offensive weapon, and, and Rutgers capitalized. They were able to pull that one off 12 to 5, even with Lehigh really dominating the faceoff X. X spot. I I Carcaterra kept calling it the spot. I've heard X. I've heard the stripe for the PLO. But um, you know, you can only do so much when you're winning the faceoff if you can't score goals. And, and Rutgers' defense is pretty stout. Um, 
Big story for that, though, was the Cursed Brothers. You had three of them playing, uh, two guys at Rutgers and one at Lehigh playing against each other, which was kind of fun. Um, they show mom in the stands and the other brother as well. So that was kind of a fun part of the game. But otherwise, kind of a kind of a nonchalant game. Not a lot happened. First first half was kind of slow. Rutgers just was able to pull away and, and take that one out. And, you know, Rutgers looks like a real team. They could contend here in the next round of the playoffs as well. Third game of the day on Saturday was Notre Dame-Drexel. This was one that I didn't see a lot of. I was busy doing some other stuff, but I was able to catch some highlights. Uh, really went down to the wire. Drexel, sneakily a really good team this year. They won their conference championship over Hofstra in just blowout fashion. They came out, and I think they put up like eight straight against Hofstra, who had tyranny, who was you know, arguably one of the best players in the country this year. Um, and Drexel just whooped them. So people were kind of hyped about this Drexel team. Really good offense, really really good firepower. Um Great face-off guy, a good unit all together. And, you know, Notre Dame coming in, one of the best defenses in the country, probably the, you know, first or second best goalie, however you want to classify it. And, uh, and of course, Pat Cav on the attack end is just electric for them. Um, this game was actually pretty close going down the wire. I think it was 8-8. Eight to eight. Drexel got a really tough penalty call against them that looked pretty suspect. It, it wasn't super egregious of a hit, I believe. Uh, the the clip of the Drexel coach's face just lost was a real bummer. Um, and Notre Dame was able to get a goal on that man-up possession and then one more to ice it. And what looked like could have been a really fun upset potential team in Drexel that was really firing all cylinders and doing the best that they could. And it just it, It's tough to go out that way with a penalty and what felt like what should have been a non-call. So Notre Dame was able to pull that one out 10-8. Um, Notre Dame is going to be very dangerous moving forward. Uh, they finally figured out their face opposition and the goalie, which is something they they've been struggling for for what feels like almost a decade now. Was that face opposition, and then their goalie's just been electric for them. So I, I expect Notre Dame to be able to kind of grind these games out as it gets a little hotter. Maybe the offenses stall out. Notre Dame can just hold the ball and let Pat Cav go to work offensively. So excited to see Notre Dame moving forward into the Elite Eight as well. Last game on Saturday was Georgetown-Syracuse, and this one was was the most bummer, I think, of the games. This is one I kind of circled and was like, this is going to be a fun one, and Syracuse was not ready for primetime. Georgetown just came out just immediately out of the gate, ready to fight. Um, they pulled it out 18-8 over Cuse, who really never had a chance. Jack Carraway for Georgetown is elite, elite, elite. If you've not seen that guy play this season, now's the time to make sure you're tuning into the to the rest of the Georgetown season if they keep winning. He's an absolute electric player who can just bury the ball in the back of the net over and over again. Syracuse really had no answer, and, you know, their defense was exposed for what it is. It's been the softest part of their team this season. Drake Porter can only do so much. I think he's... I think Porter's in, like, the 60% for save percentage. He's one of the top guys in the country, but when he's just getting peppered that much, there's only so much you can do as a goaltender. Offensively, Syracuse just stalled out, just really didn't have it. And Georgetown's probably got the best goalie in the country. Uh, their defense is really solid as well. So tough game for the Orange, who had a very up-and-down season, and they will not be moving on, but Georgetown will be. Headed off into Sunday, uh, first game of the day, I believe, was that Virginia Bryant game. UVA got the home game, was wearing the brand new orange helmets, orange shorts, looking slick out there. Bryant with their chrome helmets, even though they're black and gold team. It was kind of interesting. Uh, I noticed Bryant still wears all Adidas gear uh, for protective heads, shafts, everything, which I don't think Adidas made lacrosse stuff in a few years. So it was kind of surprising to see. Um, 
Bryant was able to hang around. They were really just gunning up and down the field. They were really aggressive on their clear. Their goalie was just bombing passes down the middle of the field. They weren't afraid to play between the lines and kind of push the issue against UVA. And they stuck around. They kept the thing that they yeah. And they stuck around. They kept that thing tight. Uh, UVA was was struggling against Bryant. Their defense was flying around, causing turnovers. UVA was really struggling to hold possession of the ball. The, the ground looked pretty wet. It was the grass field with a little bit of rain on it. So tough footing for everyone. Everyone slip around. I know there's a clip of Laviano sliding to the 50 midline. He's like kicking his feet to stay behind, which was pretty funny. And Bryant was able to kind of capitalize on all the mistakes and keep the game close. And unfortunately, Bryant in the fourth quarter, I don't know if their poles were gassed or they just wanted to give another look. They went to a zone late against UVA and that zone got pretty shredded there by the attack of UVA. They were just spinning the ball around, getting good shots on the backside. And it's probably what killed Bryant in the end of the game was this this weird kind of zone they went into, this backer zone. They, they were pushing behind with two and UVA was just able to spin the ball quickly and capitalize and come away from that one 13-11 and UVA was a team that, you know, lost to Syracuse, didn't look super fine-tuned this year in the ACC. They had their ups, they had their downs. Um, I'm not really sure what to think of them. I think they're still trying to kind of put it together. Their Fogo really struggled against Brian Sky, who was their backup, uh, oddly enough. So UVA is kind of a head-scratcher. We'll see what they can do in the next round. Next game was the Maryland-Vermont game, I do believe. I think Duke High Point was after that, but I'm going to go with Maryland-Vermont for now. Uh, Vermont, the Catamounts, I believe they're called, which is like a weird cat thing. Uh, they're the northernmost Division One program in the country. Like they're the farthest east and the farthest north that you can go to. Really fun, scrappy team. Had a fun line. Uh, their attack were all like super unique. They had the guy that can bomb it from like a million miles away. Their best midi is like this six foot four Canadian. They got a guy with long blonde hair flowing at attack. They're like a really fun team, and their goalie was on his head, played really well, but just could not keep up with Maryland. I mean. Vermont kept trying to like let Bernhardt go behind the goal for for Maryland and letting him hang them, uh, letting him stay behind the net with no defender on him, and I'm not really sure why Bernhardt kept capitalizing on that. And Maryland just plays so fast now that they've changed their offensive coordinator and they they really play a, f- a really fast brand of lacrosse, which I enjoy. Um, they're just bombing up and down the field, getting goals in the fast break. So I think Maryland's a team that's it's definitely going to compete very hard to keep up with. They they play so fast. Bernhard is electric. He's probably the best player in the country. Their entire lax, uh, their entire attack is very good, and their defense is always is solid. Moving on to our third game of Sunday, we had Duke High Point. This was another one. I don't know why I missed the third game for the entire weekend. Uh, I missed that Drexel Notre Dame as well. But uh, Duke and High Point, never really an issue. Michael Sowers popped off. I think he went for like seven or eight points in like the first half. Just complete God mode against High Point, a team that they played early in the year as well. Um, High Point, you know, they, they did all they could. You know, you kind of run out, of, run out of guys there at the end. 16 to 10 loss to Duke. High Point did have the, the mesh jerseys, which were sick. But uh, Duke was just too much. Michael Sowers is too much. He's electric. He's a guy that I think as we move forward and maybe get him in the Final Four, he's going to he's probably put his mark on this and may cement his career as one of these all-time greats if he can continue to play at the level he's playing at and Duke just has so many guys they're so deep across the board they've got four or five guys that could start an attack they've got really good first and second midline their defense with JT Giles is really good Mike Adler of course has just been really solid for them as a goalie as well so I think Duke is kind of a juggernaut to look out for as well Last game of Sunday was the best game of the weekend, bar none, uh, Loyola at Denver. I was kind of surprised Denver got a home game as the seventh seed. It was kind of confusing because Lehigh had to travel for their game. Um, 
Not sure why Denver got that home game, but Loyola made the trip out west. Actually brought a bunch of fans there. Uh, the, the stands were packed. You could tell there was a lot of people there. Um, because of the restrictions on sidelines, Denver can only have 52 guys on the sideline or 52 members of the team on the sideline, including staff and stuff. So they had like all 15 of their freshmen were just on the far side of the field, like behind these like pillars and were just chirping the whole game, which was really fun. Uh, anytime the ball would go into that corner, those freshmen were just losing it, uh, which was fun to watch. Um, but Loyola played really scrappy. They pulled this thing out. It was 14 to 13. Loyola watched the whole game from start to finish and, Loyola was just ready to fight, man. I think Denver was kind of taken aback at, at how hard they were fighting. Loyola was doing pretty well on the faceoff. Uh, you know, TD Ireland was, I think, at one point, like 8 for 10. The other guy was like 6 for 12, um, which isn't great. And Loyola was able to capitalize when they could. They, they play really fast, man. They've, they're have they a little bit smaller, but uh, they, they play fast. They shoot the ball hard, and they did a really good job against Denver offensively. I mean, their goalie was an absolute stud. I think the moment of the game probably is going to be that... That last second save they had, Jack Hanna pushed the goal, fed a guy backdoor cutting, and goalie just made a save with his shoulder. Uh, looks like he guessed left, but just smoked him the body, and Denver couldn't pull it off and push it to overtime, and Loyola gets out of there with a victory, which I think was kind of surprising uh, for a Loyola team that it was, I believe, 9-5 and five this season. Um, kind of had the ups, ups and downs, didn't get to play in the conference championship game last week, and was kind of a surprise pick. Uh, they were saying on the broadcast they didn't even watch the selection show. They were just like, oh, we're out, whatever. And they were like sprinting upstairs to like tell each other that they were in. So Loyola is a fun team, a fun story, and one that I'm kind of looking forward to moving forward. want to wrap all that up with kind of a preview of the next round of the playoffs. First game on the 22nd at 11 o'clock Eastern will be Georgetown, Virginia. This is going to be fireworks. Jack Haraway, as we mentioned before, just elite for Georgetown. Their goalie is excellent as well. I think Virginia kind of needs to find their identity, kind of figure out what they want to be. They've got a lot of guys that are tweeners that'll play midi and attack. They, you know, struggle to possess the ball in the grass. I think if they get clear skies and a little bit easier terrain to deal with, UVA probably should be able to pull this one out. Georgetown is good all around and, you know, definitely a team that could be in the final four. But for me, I think UVA has just got so much firepower all over the field. They should be able to pull this one out. But, you know, you never know when it gets late in May here. The next game on the 22nd will be North Carolina and Rutgers. Uh, if North Carolina doesn't win this, I think it's going to be a huge shock for the entire lacrosse world. They're just loaded all over the field. Um, you know, Rutgers played really well, but they kind of got an easy path with Lehigh not having their best offensive score, and UNC has all the best scores in the country. Chris Gray does lead all of NCAA Division One, so it's it might be tough for Rutgers to get out of this one. I, I would lean UNC here. 
Looking at the other side of the bracket, we've got Duke and Loyola. Little bit of a fun game here. Loyola showed a lot of firepower against Denver. Um, I think Duke's defense is, is a little better than Denver's. Their short stick minis not, might not be as good as Denver's were, but their poles are definitely better. And I think they've got a better goalie. And, of course, you've got the big problem of what do you do with Michael Sowers and Brendan O'Neill at attack. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if Loyola tries to shut one of those guys, if they try and double pull. I, you know, It's kind of a headache there, but you would expect Duke to go through there as well. And I think the game that everyone's going to be looking forward to the most is going to be Maryland-Notre Dame. That's going to be on the 23rd at 1.30 Eastern time. Just two juggernaut programs that are really kind of finding their form right now. And it's tough that they're going to be playing in the Elite Eight here, not in potentially a Final Four or championship. But I think this is the game that's kind of the pivot point. If you really believe in the ACC and what they've done all year and that they're the best conference, you're definitely thinking Notre Dame here and Pat Cav. But, man, Maryland just looks really really good offensively they play so up and down and I think if they can play quickly they can make Notre Dame scramble and that defense get a little uncomfortable so I think Bernhardt and the boys at, at Maryland are going to pull that one off and go to the Elite Eight wrapping up here with some women's lacrosse talk real quick for the Division One level um, just because I want to do it uh, Charlotte North is so so good for for Boston College I believe she had 15 goals this weekend in two games uh, absolutely dominant against uh, you know the Saturday and Sunday opponent. Uh, they played Temple on Sunday. She had eight. Uh, Saturday, I forget the the team that they played, Marist or something. Before we finish up, I want to talk a little bit of women's lacrosse, kind of what I'm seeing. They had uh, before we wrap up, I want to talk a little bit of women's lacrosse here. Uh, my favorite thing of the weekend was Charlotte North of Boston College, who I believe should be the tour time winner for the women's side. Had 15 goals this weekend across two games. Absolutely dominant. Seven goals in a game on Saturday and eight on Sunday. She's really kind of redefining the sport right now with the way she approaches the eight-meter penalty shot, with how fast she plays. Her footwork is incredible. She just gets by defenders very, very easily, and I think moving forward, definitely someone you want to watch. And of course, also on the women's side, the other two programs I'm really excited for is UNC and Stony Brook. Um, UNC is just the best program out there right now. They've got a bunch of Tawarton finalists. Their goalie's incredible. They're they're phenomenally coached, and a team that I would not want to face on the women's side of the game. And Stony Brook, I think, has a lot of really fun pieces. Uh, Allie Miller and Ole Miller are really fun players to watch. I think. If they're a team that can get hot and get the right chances, they're definitely a team that could compete for a national championship this year. Um, you know, I think those are kind of the big three programs to look out for. Not saying no one else can pull it off, but I think those would be the ones that I'm I'm most afraid of moving forward if I'm if I'm still in the bracket. Does he lose? So let's take a peek at the bracket for the women's side real quick. In that first round, we're going to have UNC-Stony Brook, the one versus eight matchup. I, two teams that are just incredible. UNC's been a juggernaut all season. They should be able to pull that one out. But Stony Brook's got a lot of offensive firepower and a, a really well-coached team. So we'll see how that one goes. Notre Dame-Boston College. BC beat Notre, or beat Notre Dame twice this season. They played them once at Boston College and then went to Notre Dame. Beat them there as well. So they're definitely probably going to be the favorites there with, with Charlotte North. We'll see how they defend her. Duke Northwestern on the other side of the bracket should be a really fun game. Duke had a crazy game against Maryland where their goalie made a save with literally like two seconds left on the clock to end it for him. 
So Duke's riding high after that big win over Maryland. And last but not least, Syracuse and Florida. Florida's a team that can get up and down, play really well. Syracuse has had a bunch of injuries this year on the women's side, but they're still fighting. They destroyed Loyola in the first round, so they're a team that can be dangerous if they move forward onto that championship weekend as well. I think that's going to be it for lacrosse coverage next week. I'll probably jump on for about five, ten minutes at the end of the hockey broadcast because they're doing broadcast podcast because they're doing the playoffs for hockey start really this week and next week. So we'll probably jump on for five minutes, give you an update on men's and women's. And of course, stay plugged into the Instagram, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. We'll have more content in there as well. Thank you once again for listening to the Monkey Sports Podcast. Don't forget, we are brought to you by Monkey Sports. If you use promo code PODCAST10 at checkout, that's the word PODCAST number 10, you'll save 10% off your entire order. Thank you once again for listening to the Monkey Sports Podcast. Don't forget, we are brought to you by our parent company, Monkey Sports. If you use promo code PODCAST10 at checkout, that's the word PODCAST number 10, 1, 0, you'll save 10% off all non-MAP items. Thank you once again for listening. We'll catch you in the next one.